my goal is to get a standing ovation with that one. That's my goal. So nah, you're aiming too low. I'm going to cause a riot. Cause a riot. <laughs> get some back, maybe a backflipping ovation. Yeah, back ovation. Um, you know, your talk was good when all of a sudden the entire audience just starts doing back. Or build, <laughs> they build a giant human pyramid. And then that yeah. does a backflip. And that does backflip. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 87 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the binary basher. I'm Sam and I make pictures. And today is February 20th. 20, 20. <laughs> February 2020, 2017. Ooh, February. What's 17? Is that, not 14. 14. Yeah, it's just 10 and 7, Seth. So it's Bente Dieses Hete, 2017. Warning anything that happened on this show, there's going to be profanity, and we're, we're going to just, the, the gloves are coming off this week. Oh, yeah. Okay? We're going so off rails. We're going to get diseases. So if you don't yeah. want to get punched, then you should stop listening. <laughs> uh, all right. So listen, you guys. Hmm. I've got a pep in my step this yeah? week. Why? Uh, this, co- this coffee about? I'm drinking is <laughs> whoo, it's potent. Okay, okay. It I'm I'm basically chewing it. So, <laughs> and you guys are drinking the same stuff. Yep. So I think it's gonna be a good week. Yeah, I kind of feel like this coffee's gonna last the whole week. It might. I kind of feel like I need to put a filter in my mouth just to drink this coffee. Yeah. 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 Wait, you don't normally do that, or no, I mean, not. Usually. I just pour it through a surgical mask that I wear on my face. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, that's how you get the good stuff. Yeah. Sort of, and then you, then later you can wring out the surgical mask and just like get the grounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, now this mm. week, this is Sam week, apparently. Okay, <laughs> so a bunch of stuff happened last week to Sam. It's sort of like there was a whirlwind, and Sam was kind of the eye of the storm last week. Yeah, I, I like to think that I wasn't causing all the mischief that happened, but I was involved in yeah. every single part of that. I was Sam the common was denominator. So, so let's 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 kick this off by talking about. The shake incident. Okay. I think this is important. It's an important uh, sort of linchpin for the re- the remainder of the story. Okay. So, you know, we've, we've talked to the podcast a lot about, you know, building a good routine, about how all of us feel like we're kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of absent-minded or idiots in a day-to-day capacity. Um, but yeah, we managed, totally. We managed to get a lot of stuff done because we have all these routines and systems in place. So, one of mine is when I wake up in the morning, I have these uh, shakes. And usually I just take the shake, walk out to my car. Put it in the cup holder. This is a, then, like a bottled protein shake yeah, with a cap, with a cap on, it. on it. And then, and then usually I just drive off. And as I'm en route to uh, to the Butterscotch HQ and the gym, then I unscrew it and drink it while I'm driving. Okay, drinking and driving protein shakes. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I highly recommended. I was uh, I woke up a little bit early last week, and I was I was just feeling super proactive. I don't know if you guys have some of those days sometimes where you're like, I'm just ahead of the game. And everything you're doing, you're like, you're just like a little more planned out than usual. So that was, that was my day. So I, Not my mornings. Definitely not my mornings. So I, I've only had a few in the morning. This is yeah. one of those, it was like a sort of special light situation, right? Yeah. You wake up. So this is just, this is one of those rare mornings. Yeah. It's, it's like, like the light beams coming into your window. Yeah, I feel like a Disney princess. You know? Everything is like going birds your way. are chirping. So, so I get all my stuff together and I don't have any of my normal sort of memory slips where I'll forget something in the house multiple times because I'm, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and it's mm-hmm. terrible. So, so I get everything rounded up. Got my bag, got my gym bag, got this protein shake. And I go out to the car, put everything in the car, go around to the driver's seat. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be extra proactive today. 
I'm going to, I'm going to open my shake before I start driving, right? Because that way I can just drink it instead of having to try to fumble with it via like once at a stop sign or, or en route. So, you know, I'm thinking of feeling extremely proactive and uncap this thing, set it down, driving, uh, get no more than two blocks from my house and then just grab the shake and shake it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> so the cap is off and it just, it just vomits out yeah. protein shake all over me. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there like I got I probably did a good two, at least two <laughs> shakes, you know, because like you don't really know what's happening. It was just all automatic. And, uh, and then I pulled over, I had to clean up my car and stuff. But the, the important lesson here <laughs> is that if you're going to modify your habits, or your don't do it with, as it relates to open beverage. Yeah, containers. yeah. Keep, keep that in mind. If you like if, if you forgot that you normally shake a thing. Don't, don't you dare. This reminds me of like a scenario <laughs> where maybe like you're drinking a cup of coffee and you also have water, right? And mm-hmm. then you forget which one is on which side and you just absently grab the wrong one and you bring it to your mouth and suddenly it's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> oh yeah, the there's expectation that, there's that of water. Of, there's that moment of calibration where you think you're about to drink water and you get coffee instead and there's that panic moment. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with uh, like with popsicles and stuff. So your body can't, like on first blush, cannot discern between really cold and really hot. So mm-hmm. you see this in The Punisher. They did that little thing where the guy, he fake tortured a guy by, he sizzled a steak that the guy couldn't see and then poked him in the back with a popsicle. popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> right. The guy's like, oh my God, no. Because the thing is, you can't actually tell the difference for a brief moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's the same thing. Where like some, Sometimes these, these things happen where you're trying to calibrate what the response should be, but you just... You just don't have the info. Or isn't there those experiments where they have like a fake hand and they tickle it with a feather yeah. or something mm-hmm. and your brain is like... That's mine. That's my hand. <laughs> Yeah, I also saw one where they would do that. They would do that little like feather thing, and then all of a sudden the guy would take out a hammer yes, and just and smash it. the fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and every single person's like, <laughs> and then a lot of people feel cool. pain when they do that. Yeah, yeah, briefly. Yep. Until the it only, like, it only takes it only takes like three seconds for your brain to be like, I guess this is my hand now. This is this, this is my world. All right, so you covered your car in shake. <laughs> yep, so that was step one. All right, so step one. Um, week. It was a good week last week. So also you are giving two talks at GDC. Yes. Um, and this week you are our sole strike team to travel to Las Vegas. Yes. To go to the Dice Awards. Yes. Where Which Crash stands lands. for something one of us remembers. Design, innovation, entertainment. Entertainment. What is it? C. What's the C? C is charisma. Charisma. It's, it's probably just an acronym for like an RPG leveling system. Mm, you know? yeah. yeah. It's like dexterity, right? Intelligence, charisma, charisma and energy. Yeah. So we leveled. We, we leveled endurance. up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the same thing. Right? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we leveled up. So now we get to go distribute uh, some points. We across get to go, those. We got to go to Las Vegas to spend some talent points. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So they have, they have a bunch of cool stuff. They got a uh, uh, round tables. So it's just the reason we're going, cause we got invited to the, just the awards, right. And they give you a free ticket to the awards and it's just on Thursday. But they said, you know, if you want to come to the actual conference, you can. And we're like, what's the point? And they basically just pointed out that the, essentially all the people who go are just, it's a bunch of studio heads and people who run a bunch of, uh, a bunch of games businesses. And so folks who know things, yeah, folks who know things and who might be able to help us out in the future. So it's just a huge networking opportunity. So I signed up for a bunch of different activities mm-hmm. so there's three different round tables i'm doing which arts I'm, and crafts probably yeah i wish there's arts could be killer um <laughs> so there's three different round tables i'm doing and those are basically it's like 10 people and then it's just led by one person and so you don't know i have no idea who's like in my group but yeah. i think that's gonna be a phenomenal way there's three of those over the over the week um and then i'm playing a magic the gathering tournament 
Nice. By the way, <laughs> have not played Magic the Wait, Gathering. Wait, don't you need your own cards to play? They do. They give you all the stuff. Oh, because of the nice. Magic the Gathering people sponsor it, of ah. course. So you go they and you do That's like, how they get you hooked. <laughs> but they do what's called a, a, a two-headed giant tournament. So you actually partner up with someone. You get like randomly paired together. And then you two go and battle and it's a huge tournament. Oh, so they just hand you a BFF. Yeah. So I was like, this sounds nice. good. I'm going to yeah. need friends while I'm there since I got none coming in. So Is the tournament early on in the experience? Yeah, I think so, it's, on, it's on Tuesday night, I think. Cool. Yeah. So that'll be fun. And then there's a there's a red carpet showing on mm-hmm. Thursday. This is this is the C part, the charisma. Yeah. So red carpet. Uh, because carpet. because Crashlands was <laughs> because Crashlands was nominated for uh, Dice's best mobile game of the year alongside uh, Reigns and Clash Royale, Pokemon Go, and something and one other one that I can't remember. Yeah, I always forget that one. Um, but because we were nominated, that's probably all those games. Wins. It's probably <laughs> <laughs> because we were nominated alongside all those games. We get to go to the awards and actually get treated as if we're, you know, awardees, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, people who matter, people who matter, VIPs. So they have a red carpet that you walk and IGN is doing the coverage for it. So there's going to be a Twitch channel. Um, we'll tweet it out and stuff on, on Thursday, but there'll be like an hour and a half or so. So I will I'm gonna try to find, I don't know how this works. So I'm just going to try to find whatever camera to talk to. And I'll be like, shout out to my buddy. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go wild. It'll be fun. And then you're gonna rip off your suit. And underneath is a Flux Dave's cosplay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somehow. Mm-hmm. So that that is a Hugo cosplay. That's just a giant. Yeah. Orb. Yeah. So uh, so Sam's been prepping for that. And then also Sam has been prepping for <laughs> GDC because did we have we talked about our talk strategy? How we got how we got these talks? I think so. we may have vaguely mentioned. So we. We've applied for a few GDC talks in the past and just, you just knows just universal shot down. It's usually like one at a time. We put like a ton of energy into each one. And then this year we were like, all right, we see how this goes, you know? So if they're not going to take one of ours and there's no limit on how many you can submit, we're going to submit 11. And so we did, (laughs) we turned it up to it. So I think it took me like four and a half days to write all of the, like 11 different. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, let's, let's take, let's step back one step Mm. and ask, why do we, why should we give a GDC talk? So what's the point of doing this? The intent of doing the talk is to make it so that we become uh, people who people know that they can talk to basically at the end of the day. Cause like we, we never got to have a lot of uh, mentorship in a lot of the early years and anybody who asked for it turned us down pretty much across the board. So, mm-hmm. um, so we want to be, we want to be present and available and we think we're doing pretty cool stuff. And so we want to talk about the cool stuff we're doing and hopefully help some people dodge some of the pitfalls we did. And so it's, it's really about becoming, uh, becoming known in the industry itself, as opposed to just from a, a player player standpoint. And the reason that's important down the line is that you, you have no idea where anybody in the industry is going to be in like five years. And so one of our people who we meet, who we meet at one of these talks or who comes up and, and asks a question afterwards might end up, working for some company who helps us get a distribution deal or helps us with plushies or something. You just never know. So it's just, it's good to have all these connections and doing the talk thing essentially lets you, you do a shitload of work upfront to do it. Um, but then once you actually give the talk, it's sort of, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a way of like power networking, I guess. Well, it's it's just like, it's a springboard to kick off a whole bunch of conversations with interesting people. Exactly, who you right. Otherwise, cause like you, if you're in a room at the front of the room on the stage, talking for an hour about stuff that people find interesting and useful, then afterwards they're going to remember you and they'll come up and they'll chat with you about right. stuff and you get, you know, exchange business cards, mm-hmm. do finger guns at each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think, I think the, it's really, it's a, it's a high gain networking opportunity, right? Because it's, it's you talking to potentially like 200 people at once, like just at once. And, and then being archived. Yeah. And then being archived that. and you, you don't get to do that at all. Um, 
in the industry. So, so being well, able to, and, and when you do, it's typically for very different kinds of communities than that, right? Mm-hmm. Cause GDC is a unique thing in that it's everybody that you're there talking to when you go give a talk, uh, self-selected themselves to come listen to what you have to say, right? right? Meaning they're into whatever you're into and whatever you're talking about. Uh, and they are in the games industry. So right. it's, it's a self-selected, perfect, large group of people that are somehow relevant to what you care about. Right. You're going to give a talk. It's the best place to do it in theory. Yeah. So, so we, we're pretty sure that there's going to be some sort of, the, the truth is like, it's extremely costly to go to GC. It's extremely costly, at least for us, to develop one of these talks because we really give a shit about the talks. And so we put a lot of time and energy in I'm just going to show up and wing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, I'd say about like a third to a half of the talks at GDC that we've been to in the past have been, frankly, just not. Wung. Yeah, they've been wung. <laughs> Thoroughly wung. <laughs> we wanged it. And it's always confused me because I'm like, this is just, it's just a huge opportunity for you to you know put a good face on for your company and that sort of thing. Um, and just impress people. And a lot of people just seem to kind of, I guess just maybe, I don't, I don't know, if maybe they, they didn't take the shotgun approach. So they haven't worked quite so hard to get into GDC in the first right. place. <laughs> maybe that's just, you know, us coming from this position. But, but yeah, so. Well, but I think uh, even more than that, actually, I'm not even sure that they were necessarily wung so much as. Uh, just in general, most people don't have opportunities to give talks, right? And so, so not a lot of practice. Not a lot of practice. And so a talk that when somebody's never given a talk before or hasn't given a lot of talks, actually, uh, when you put a talk together, it's going to feel like you wanged it, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's going to be kind of sloppy and it's going to be, you're going to be stumbling a bit. And if people try to memorize stuff, which often they do, then it feels very like artificial and right. stilted and, you know. And so it actually takes an enormous amount of practice giving talks to diverse audiences before you can. Uh, well, you can kind of think about it like, like making a video game, yeah. right? I mean, the first game you it's make, like anything. Right. the first game you make, you're not, you don't have enough background to actually think about it from the perspective of the player, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You're just thinking about what would be cool to make. Right. And right. it turns out, you know, what's cool to make isn't always great to play. <laughs> right. Um, right. And I, well, yeah, I think talks come, come the same yeah, way. Yeah. And I've had a, we've all had a lot of actually experience uh, giving talks and stuff in the past couple of years. Um, mine have been primarily in the last two years have been primarily in the talking about cancer stuff realm. Mm-hmm. I gave talked like 1100 people a few months ago um, for bone marrow transplant celebration thing. Did a PK talk, which is the six minute, 40 second talk where that the slides move. on moved. YouTube, I think. Yeah, that was up, up on, on YouTube. Um, Although that was in the midst of a thunderstorm in a warehouse. Not great. In a warehouse where the roof was just like a steel roof. Right. And it was you could loud. just hear the rain just <laughs> pounding the whole time. But yes, my, my goal was to get, at least for the for the Crash Dance postmortem talk, was to give a talk that was good enough. So it's supposed to be, it covers a bunch of, it covers the story of, of developing the game, but then also gives people a bunch of good sort of nuggets that they can use to do better with their stuff. Um, and my goal is to get a standing ovation with that one. Nice. That's my goal. So nah, you're aiming too low. I'm going to cause a riot. Cause a riot. <laughs> get some back, maybe a back flipping That's ovation. Nice yeah, back flipping ovation. Um, you know, your talk was good when all of a sudden the entire audience just starts doing back. Flips. Or they, they build a giant human pyramid. And then that yeah. does a backflip. And that does <laughs> they, build, yeah, so, they build a human rocket and just go to space. Yeah. <laughs> I know a, a lot of people, so my, my goal is to give a, yeah, a yeah. standing ovation worthy. That's my yeah. catch all. At a minimum. Talk at a minimum. Um, and then the other one is the history of butterscotch one. And that, that's, that's a talk designed for, uh, for other people who are either indies or just sort of just starting out or, or maybe have been around the business for a while, but are looking to do stuff with their studio. And it just talks about our trajectory from day one as a studio when it was just Seth and I building towel fight all the way up to today. So it's going to condense four and a half years into 20, 25 minutes. minutes. Yeah. 25 minutes. Um, and that one's with data and graphs and charts and yeah, that one's, that one's a whirlwind. Yeah. We need to collect some data. 
but yeah, so I've been, I've been prepping for all those things and they, I mean, talks always loom heavy. I don't, I mean, we've talked about this before, but they're, uh, cause they're important enough that you need to do them right. But also it's not actually, it's like not your job, you yeah. know, I'm supposed to be making games. And so it's been hard to be, cause Seth and Tifa will be working on some part of the game thing, or Adam wants to talk about some aspect of Scotch ID 2.0 and the next day we're working on. And, and I'm like, I need to get back to these talks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, this this, com- this comes right back to that yeah, questionable the problem value. of you know with uh, with our past year of work and learning how to manage expanding our capacity and expanding our bandwidth, and even with now, so we have seven people in the studio. Um, but even with that, you know, it's still going to be the case that going to GDC it does shut down a lot of our uh, production capability. Well, and we're taking for most weeks, of the team, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's something that we're still figuring out how to deal with and how to how to still manage well. I mean, we're still making pretty good progress on oh, yeah. the on the game, but like once GDC is done, whoo, it's gonna go fast. Oh, gonna go turbo mode on that thing so hard. We're gonna yeah. be blazing it. Yeah, four twenty, four twenty, blazing it like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> um, and then otherwise, in, in Sam news this week. <laughs> uh, Last week, like the Trump administration. Last week, yeah, it's just, just a whirlwind of activity. Nobody can keep up. Uh, <laughs> Sam, so we, last week we went with Monique, our new uh, mm-hmm. studio wrangler, out to Panera. And I don't know why we didn't mention this on the podcast last week. This happened right before the podcast last week. Yeah, uh, I just forgot about it. And, and we're in the parking lot. And we're just chatting and stuff, and we're about to leave. And then all of a sudden, boom! We're like, "What the fuck?" Sam's Sam is in drive, about to travel. You know, about to exit the parking lot, and the car just suddenly jolts. And we look back, and there's this giant SUV <laughs> behind us that has just backed into Sam's rear bumper. And we're like, "Oh shit!" And then moments later, we get hit again <laughs> because this person, like, I guess, like their their vehicle was so huge it that could they couldn't see. see yeah. And so they were just like, I'm meeting some resistance. I guess I'll just, <laughs> I guess I'll just power through it because I'm in an SUV yep. and that's how we do. So uh, yeah, you so got a nice crush, yeah, crushed in bumper. Sort of corner of my bumper is just pretty solidly pulverized. <laughs> so mm-hmm. but it was, it was weird because it was maybe like a one mile an hour color. I mean, it was very, it was very calm. It was very weak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I felt, I just felt, I felt bad for the, the driver of the other vehicle. Because she was very distraught. She was like, oh my God, did I hurt? Did I hurt anybody? Ah!" We're like, it's fine. But it was also hilarious though, because (laughs) the way that she then described everything that happened was so absurd. Because she was just, what did she say? She was like, the best, the best part was, uh, I was like, because her bumper was completely unscathed. And I was like, wow, you got a really resilient bumper. And she's like, oh no, no. Every other time I've hit somebody, it's been completely crushed. I'm like, (laughs) how many... If you hit people with well, this she, vehicle, and she explained it that like because she has one of those rear view cam cameras, yeah. you know, and she just made some comment about how oh, like it just it doesn't work, it just doesn't seem to be working very well right now. Uh, and so, so I don't know, I didn't know how to interpret that as if like she's just looking at a black screen, well, her, driving in reverse. Her, I think so, but her follow up to that was that she said it was too sensitive, so she had because it, like it, it had a beep, oh, sensor, so it was right. like it was like you're too close to stuff, and it would yeah, beep. Yeah. But she said she was getting annoyed because it was beeping all the time. <laughs> Okay. It sounds like she's been in a lot of reverse accidents. <laughs> beeping all the time. So she went to the dealer and had them like turn it, tune off, it like down, turn, tune uh, down the sensitivity. And so now she just now doesn't she actually look behind her. <laughs> she, just, she just starts driving in reverse. So I guess so, for her, it was like, okay, it's a Monday. You know, I'm just backing into right. people. So I mean, she probably got a stockpile of bumpers. She was very kind. So I mean, we just, we swapped info and did all the, you know, all the, Crap, I got the notes out to the insurance company waiting for all that. But uh, I was like, what? I, I mean, it was, it was nice that it wasn't one of, those, one of those like enraged 
Oh, those are my least favorite because, like, you because I mean, you're already dealing with property damage on both parts. Yeah, and the thing is, like, it's an accident. It's, yeah. By definition, it wasn't on purpose because mm-hmm. it was an accident. So, yeah. you know, no need to escalate it. Right. But uh, yeah, so that happened last week. Just to add that onto the pile. Uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a journey. It has these past couple. All days. right, so let's let's get on to some questions, please. Uh, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. These are asked by members of our Bscotch ID community. Some of them are anonymous, but you know we don't really tend to answer those. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know if you want buck your, up, if you want your question answered, yeah, buckle buckle your shoes, mm-hmm. get yourself a Bscotch ID, mm-hmm. get in here. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So first question comes from uh, comes from. Ryan, Ryan Dolph. There's just a lot of consonants in a row here. I'm not quite sure how to deal with it. Uh, Ryan uh, NDLF. Ryan Dolph. Okay. It's Be like honest. A, like Gandalf. Be honest. Okay. Are you annoyed that I've listened to all of your podcasts yes. and haven't played Crashlands? Oh. It's not you. It's me. I'm a fellow developer and I don't find time to play many games. Which brings me to my second question. How much time should a developer spend mm. gaming? Okay. I'm so first of all, Super annoyed. Um, <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm actually thinking we should just probably shut, just shut the whole thing down. Yeah, I, I can't. That's the only. I can't operate in these conditions. Uh, second question: <laughs> How much time should developers? Should a dev? So this weekend, I put probably like shit, maybe like twenty hours into Kerbal Space. For real? Nice. Yeah. And this was, and this was the first time in probably a year that I've just been like, I'm gonna spend like an entire Friday evening and Saturday. Just playing Gaming. video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I did uh, that with. I haven't done that in so freaking long. Yeah, I did that with Pokemon Sun and Moon when that came out. Mm-hmm. That was my most recent one. So basically, it's, it transfers from being like a, a day, day to day hobby to being a binge. Yeah. You're scenario. like, like, finally, like, I have a day, one day every right. six months that I can play video Time to crush this thing. I mean, the, the longest, the one of those big RPGs. Like, I used to love playing those huge RPGs like Fallout and uh, Dragon Age and all that stuff. But they take so fucking long that now I actually can't. Like, there's a barrier to entry for me because the time required is so high. Mm-hmm. So the last one of those that I got to play, um, both the last ones were when I was waiting for my transplant in the hospital because that was that was the only time where I had like a guaranteed week where I could just be like, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm gonna do whatever I want. No one yeah. can tell me and of to do anything you're not, wrong. You're not like you're coming up on a transplant. There's all this shit going on. You're not in a in a high enough mental state that you can exactly. focus yeah. on getting shit done. Right. Uh, but you're still functional. Right. Right. So, so you're, you're in that nice gray zone. Right. Like, I mean, just, so I, I mean, guess, I'll just play some video games. Yeah, just as a reference point. I mean, that's, that's the last time where I got to play one of those big RPGs. Going through chemotherapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't, you don't play much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was just, the last time you played some, man. I, I've been having trouble getting into, I used to be able to get into a game Me and just too. Like play the fuck out of it. Yeah. But it's just, and I don't know. I can't tell if it's because games are changing. Or if I'm changing, I think, or I think there's two things. Hmm. I think one is, uh, it is, it is generally known and you may, you may, uh, this may not be true. So tell me if, if so, that as you get older, your capacity to release dopamine into your brain decreases. Hmm. I have no idea. So basically just from a neurological perspective, you just can't enjoy things as much as you age. It's the curse of So eventually you just don't give a fuck about anything. And then you so just that's, yell at people on your lawn, I guess. Yeah. Um, you're like, I don't have any dopamine left. Get the <laughs> fuck, fuck out of here. <laughs> so that's, well, that's one possibility. Okay. And another is, 
that I think a lot of the fun of games comes from the novelty. Yeah. And when you are, and even though, you know, you always talk about how you're not actively creating the games because you're, yeah, but, I, but I'm around the, but you're there, right? Yeah, yeah. You're there. You're actively in the discussions and everything. Yep. And you do spend a substantial proportion of your time. Yeah. Uh, just like Sam and me, uh, you spend a substantial proportion of your time analyzing and thinking about what makes a game work. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, and like I, we've given, I've, I have a talk on game loops, talk on balance. Um, Sam and I are teaching this uh, course at WashU on video game development. Mm-hmm. And so we spend so much of our time thinking about what makes games work that when we play a game, there's just not really much in it that is new or surprising. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the only new stuff is basically going to be like how it looks. You know, yeah. or cause like pretty much every game has some core yeah. components to it that are very recognizable as like video game things. And so you, you, it's like the scene in the matrix when Neo sees the code, you know, mm-hmm. like he now understands how the universe works. Yeah. Well, yeah I wonder if it's a, if it's basically that forecasting engine, right? So your, your brain's getting better and better at reading patterns yeah. in games in particular. And then so when you boot it up, when you play it literally for five minutes, you're like, I know this is yeah. Where yeah. usually that would take like six, 12 hours before you see what's happening. Um, so I tried to play uh, D- Divinity, Divinity Original Sin this, this weekend. What kind of a game um, is that? It's a, it's more, it's a slightly old, older school style RPG. It's modern, okay. but um, you, you have a little party, run around, everybody's got spells, turn-based combat, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, and it is very well done. It's very funny. The writing's great voiceover for everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I was struggling to, I think I played it for an hour. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I was just like, I still don't care about this. Yeah. Yet. And the thing is like, it's probably a super good game. It's good. It is good. It's won tons but, of awards. But <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was, I was trying, I was getting at this too. Cause I was like, what is, what is happening? Cause I haven't had that. Well, well so I have, I have so another, long. I have another theory. Okay, okay. I have another probably bigger theory than this, which is, so what does a video game do? What does it do for you? And I think most of us play games because games are that, that weird entertainment media that you get pride from. Right. It's like, you can't win a book, and mm-hmm. when you watch a movie, you're not like, "Yeah, I did that." Right? You, you're watching other people, you know, interact. You're like, "Do do a story or whatever." So, in a video game, the game, you know, presents you with challenges. It gives you some tools to overcome those challenges, and the the fun of a game comes from using those tools effectively and and taking ownership of the victory mm-hmm. that you that you have. Right? Mm-hmm. Overcoming the obstacles. Uh, if if you are in a position where normally you are like overcoming lots and lots of obstacles and you're feeling very challenged just like all the time uh, in your day to day, then I think uh, video games offer less to you perhaps mm. because it, it, now the, it fills that, it fills that gap that for a lot of people, like if you're, but the win isn't real because you're getting the win right. in real life. And then now this is a fake win. Right. Well, a win is a win, I think. Right. Cause like, no, so, but so I think if a win like, was a win, then I would be equally happy solving a programming problem in real life as I would be solving a game program, which is actually, cause I think you're exactly right. I was playing a human resource machine last night, Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, it's super fun. It's, it's basically, it's a game where you you're given your sort of drip fed functions or not even functions, uh, control um, statements that you can mm-hmm. use for programming. And you just program a little character to move numbers around. Like that's, that's all it is. Right. Hmm. But they give you so little, that you have to go back and like really think about algorithm design to ask like, okay, if you want to, if you want to take two numbers and then put a zero in the out box, if they have the same sign, but all you have is an if negative statement and if zero statement and a sum. So it's like a programming puzzle. It's a programming puzzle. 
And so I was playing this and it was like, and it was like super fun. I was getting, getting really into it. And then it started to get really hard because again, it was just like, it's the algorithm problem. And then the satisfaction I was getting out of that was the same that I get every day as a programmer. Right. Exactly. Except yeah. now when I got to the end of it, I was just like, nothing happened. Nothing. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. you move on. You don't, you don't have anything useful. <laughs> right. Sure. But yeah. I, I think, I think it's similar to like, um, like if you run a marathon, right? Like you run a marathon, it's your first time, whatever you, you train for it for months and you see progress all the time and you finish that marathon and you're super fucking proud of yourself, right? As you should be, because mm-hmm. that's an amazing thing to do. Um, to me, like that's the same kind of feeling as what somebody gets like when they land on Duna and Kerbal Space Program yeah, yeah, sure. for the first time. I guess the question because is- Because if- in, in both cases, like you completing a marathon does not affect anything else outside of that particular sphere, right? You get to post on a, on Facebook or something like, I did this thing, but shit, you can do that with Kerbal Space Program too. <laughs> Uh, but, so, but I don't, I don't, I, I disagree. I think in principle, because unlike in something like Kerbal space program where, yeah, you can go do that. And I agree. You feel a sense of pride, you know, having done that. Nobody else in your entire like sphere of the universe gives a shit about that as much as you do. Mm-hmm. But if you go complete a marathon, well, that's what, everybody yeah, that's, around you is impressed. Yeah, right? But that's what Common the Kerbal point. space program subreddit is for. <laughs> sure, right? sure. There I are mean, online communities of people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not there at all, but I think, but I guess my question is, is if, if you are the kind of person who, runs marathons and plays Kerbal Space Program. Does being like in your daily, like your daily thing is you What's the go, thing is, I think, I think it's unlikely that you would be. Right. That, yeah. That's because what I'm you, already, like, you already think, have a thing that you're proud of for right. doing and that's your thing. Right. right. I don't think you can really like get the satisfaction out of both. Probably. Um, Correct. The same level. Yeah. yeah. But the question is. Because there's a, there's a cost to doing either, which is that you're not doing time. the other. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, so for me, then the next sort of that last piece of that puzzle is is, uh, is something about doing things like in the real world or that have real world consequences you get to see, or that people generally perceive as of being like valuable. Right. Uh, does that thing, is that the kind of thing that when, if you do that one, instead of, uh, accomplishing something awesome in a video game, is that the thing that always then ends up winning in that battle? I think so. I think it's just the case that it's just, it's just the reality that in a game, games are designed to get you from A to Z, whatever your big goal is. Right. Well, they're designed um, to provide present you with the tools and the opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the, the real world you still is, have to do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the real world is not designed as such. The real which world means sucks that, at delivering proud yeah, moments. So it, yeah. it totally sucks as far as like for example, if, if you're listening to this podcast and one of your goals is to be a game dev, uh, that is a super hard and vague path to go down because yeah. there's no there's no there's no design laid out for you as far as Here's how you do X, Y, Z based on your situation. And the thing is that because that because that's lacking, I think it's easy to it's easy to find that sense of achievement and that sense of controlled growth through video games. Mm-hmm. But once you're able to once you're once you're in a position where say you you are working on your game dev career like the like the question asker or uh, or anything that you really been wanting to do, you sort of crack the crack the door open, get a pinky hold. Then it makes perfect sense that that actually is the thing that you want to do from here on out. And I think that's why like all of us don't play games nearly as much as we used to. And I think it's a large part of it is I still do because because I feel like I have a, I basically have a habit to go try to now. I guess that's the way I put it. I don't I don't have a habit to actually play games. Yeah. But I have a habit to go boot up Steam. Yeah, Steam is the thing <laughs> that I just boot up all the time. Yeah. I look through my library. I have like an hour. I'm like I'm gonna play something because apparently that's just what I do. And then start playing it and then become bored within a short period of time <laughs> and then move on with my life. Yeah. Um, and it's always interesting. I mean, I love seeing mechanics and stuff, but the thing is I could watch YouTube videos if I wanted to. Truthfully, I could just yeah. watch a YouTube video of someone playing a game and, and know what the mechanics yeah. are. So, so I think it's interesting because to me, like uh, video games provide an experience that people absolutely need 
Yep. Which is to feel a sense of accomplishment and pride at having done something meaningful, right? Like people need this in their lives and it's just hard to get in a lot of cases. And if you're, if you're getting it from something else, like running marathons or Mm -hmm. your day-to-day work or whatever it is, then you, then you're just not going to need the thing that games provide, Um, which I think is maybe an unconventional perspective on games that is actually, it's like, it's creating a social good. It's Mm -hmm. creating a, it's filling a void that the rest of the world doesn't Mm -hmm. fill. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's also the case that while games are a vehicle to do that, the the medium in which games live um, can be used for things that, kind of like we talked about earlier, like Twitter is an empty vessel of information, right? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're getting something, so it makes you keep coming back, but you're actually getting nothing. And I think there are many games, actually most games are exactly the same, where you go in expecting to get that sense of accomplishment, um, right. but they don't actually give it to you, right? Right. Which then gives Maybe this like layer yeah. of emptiness. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what I've been feeling. But per- like, I mean, personally, it's like when I, so, so Fallout 3 is still one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, and even now, like if I go back and like want to play a game, like if I boot up Fallout 4 or, or New Vegas, which are both good games on their own, uh, like they don't feel great to play. Like I can play them for a couple hours and I'm like, that's, you know, that's enough. But I could still go back and play the entirety of Fallout 3 again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that has to do with, with exactly these things where the games, that game felt like hard yep. from the moment that I started playing it. And it felt like there was all this interesting stuff in the world. And if I could go back and like forget a game and then play it again for the first time, it would be that yep. one. Right. Because like the whole coming out of, uh, coming out of, you know, the underground vault and you like, you walk outside, you have no idea what's happening. There's just like town off in the, mm-hmm. but you don't even know how to use your navigation system yet. You know, like, and so that whole learning process of figuring out how to do it, uh, was very cool. And something that I think now that I've done that, I can't really enjoy any game. That's well, so so for me, it's also it's also about escalating the challenge, right? So yeah. so my Kerbal Space Program save, I disabled quick loading, right? So I have yes, to do can. everything perfectly the first time, yeah. and uh, so just like my last thing I was doing, I was like, I'm going to go to Duna, which is sort of like Mars, right? And so I go there, and I got super overconfident on my descent, and I crashed my my spaceship in such a way that it had five engines on it, and all of the engines exploded except for one. <laughs> So I'm like, how the fuck am I going to salvage this situation? And so I end up getting it. I I still did my science. I got it up into orbit and now it's stuck in orbit without enough fuel because with only one engine, I had to ditch a bunch of other things to have Mm. like to get, to get it into orbit. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I'm now my next mission is like, okay, now I need to, now I need to basically make a, like a tugboat and go over there (laughs) and hook it up to this craft and drag it back. Um, you start causing, you basically start causing your own problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, that's what life is all that about. That's exactly right? what it's about. And so, yeah. yeah. So that, that's, I think, so to answer the question of like how much time you, you should spend gaming, I think if you are, this may, this may be a controversial opinion. I think if you're a game developer um, and you are at a point where, cause like as a game developer, you again, like you make your own problems, mm-hmm. right? It's your job. You, your job is to decide what to do next and then do that thing. And you're inventing an entire universe, which is just a collection of problems. Yeah. And there is a, there is an literally an infinite number mm-hmm. of interesting problems for you to solve. Um, and so weirdly, I think the amount of time you should spend gaming is as little as possible. Yeah. Because you should only do it for research purposes. Yeah. Uh, because the thing that gaming gives to you, which is that sense of accomplishment, you can easily get that yep. from, from doing your own thing already. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I, that's what I, I think if you're, if you're making games play, you, you don't play games, you do research. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, I, I booted up. You're not uh, a gamer anymore. I played yeah. Diablo two. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I just downloaded this weekend too. I was going to, yeah. I was going to 
try to reminisce a bit and see what it, see how it holds up. You know, it's it's good. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I didn't realize actually it's really fucking hard. Um, yeah. Which one? And Diablo two. Diablo two. And yeah. I was playing yeah. as an Amazon, so because I've never actually played as one before. Um, so I got you know got a bow, got some arrows, and I was like, it's gonna be great because I'm ranged. I can just murder everything. It's be mm-hmm. fine. No, like you got you have to manage. You have to run around like a maniac to yeah. shoot people with bow and arrow, and they and every enemy sprints at you to start with. Like they'll yeah. just come just just rushing at you, and so you gotta poke them in the face with the bolt and then run away and then start you know. So it actually it was way more active and frantic than I remember it being. Yeah. Um, Unlike Diablo three, which is. Just yeah, so that's easy. the thing. It was it was literally this game was hard. Like yeah. actually, you know, we were talking about the the potion usage stuff. Like, oh yeah, you're always chugging potions. You have to use this fucking pot. Like, you get oh, yeah. murdered. Yeah. You'll Straight just get murdered all the time. But that, yeah. Well, and when we were playing Diablo three, we we kept being like, what the hell? This is stupidly easy. Yeah, we turned we, it up we kept, to we kept jacking up the difficulty level. And we turned we it on like to, Torment three. Yeah, we or turned something. it up to absolute maximum, and we were still just mowing shit yeah. down. Well, no, because then it went because then they would have like a pack of infinitely powerful things that would suddenly appear. So you'd go from it being really easy to it being literally impossible. Those, yeah, that was right. the only. And then and then you just sort of rage. like you corpse battle, as in yeah. you. You Res- fight resurrect, it, you die, fight it you resurrect, you come back, fight it, you die. Right. And you're just like, you just keep throwing your body yeah, when against it. When I it. played through it, I was like, oh, this, cause this is good. I mean, it's real good. And I was like, no wonder this has, cause it has a high, it has a high skill cap actually. Yeah. Even though you just have that one move where you eventually are like, you know, as a frozen, as a sorceress, for example, shooting at a frozen orb or some shit, but you don't get that until way later. Yep. You don't get the really powerful ones until way later. And even then the enemies scale up to such a, in such a, such a way that there's more and more rushing of the character and there's more and more yeah, the fucking jungle stuff yeah the jungle like with those little oh, I hate tiny that. guys with those the knives yeah. well and they have the you, you you can even screw up your stats for example yeah. so i remember as a barbarian i was like hey i'm gonna be a dual axe barbarian and by the time i get up to the jungle i hadn't put enough points into dexterity and all of a sudden i'm missing like 60 percent of the time <laughs> right and so so now all of a sudden i have to figure out like how do i kill things get the xp i need so get that i can so get my dexterity back up you know, because I right, you, you can all make my bad decisions. Yeah, you can make really yeah, bad decisions, yeah. and then you just got to live with them. Yeah, I think this. Is, <laughs> yeah, I think this is what I was getting at with with Fallout Four or Fallout Four versus Fallout Three. Is when I played Fallout Three, I found it really challenging and and really interesting. But with Fallout Four, I feel like the trade off feel. But it also could just be having developed expertise, right in the in the sure. game. Um, but I feel like the trade off has been there's now infinite stuff to do in this fucking game. Like you. You, you walk 10 steps. Now there's like this giant building that you can go clear. And, right. And, uh, but none, none of it feels important in any way. Like in, in fallout three, there was a lot less stuff, but it all felt like it somehow mattered. I think because there was less of it actually. Mm-hmm. And so every time I cleared a building there, like I had that challenge of like clearing something in fallout three and like you could like get little pieces of story. You'd find some cool loot at the end, you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff would, would happen. And in fallout four, you just clear stuff for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. You just stumble across the thing. And then you can clear it and it'll give you a little cleared tag right on the map. So you can feel like, oh yeah, I finished that. Oh, right? But there's not like most things don't have any good loot. Uh, most things have very minimal, not very compelling story actually. Cause they still like follow, does a good of job enemies. of like putting stuff in there, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of enemies that you fought a thousand times before. Cause it's the same enemies as in fallout three and in new Vegas. Right. Huh. And, uh, and I, so I feel like that, and this was one if, if a lot of the sort of the modern trend, especially for franchises, where they need to keep on recreating the same fucking game over and over mm-hmm. again uh, is just to pack quote unquote content into there, which just means stuff to do. Well, this right? is so this is an interesting question because this comes down to the question of balance, mm-hmm. right? Which is balance, you know, as we see it as sort of the it's the meeting between game challenge and player skill. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and if a game is balanced well, then it allows you as a, as a player to extract that pride from it because Mm -hmm. those things are calibrated properly. And so something that I've noticed, um, is that with, with each successive expansion pack release for world of Warcraft, the game becomes more and more, uh, quote, accessible, meaning all the content in the game is just sort of handed to you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything to work Mm -hmm. your way towards it. And, uh, and it makes this feeling of nothing mattering and nothing being yeah. worth doing at all. Yeah, I, think, really. I think just playing, I think it's like people love the fucking Dark Souls, right? Which I still haven't played. I haven't gotten into. Cause you got to earn yeah, everything it's like, it's that you do. It's impossibly difficult yeah. and, and it creates an obsession about it because then every time you accomplish anything, even like killing the first enemy, right? Uh, you get a true sense of, of accomplishment that you can't get from just most, most games. Most games. I think most games, it's, it's this trend towards this emptiness of, of gameplay and um, where it's just like, I think it's a, it's tight con- loops that make you keep playing, but yeah. not with any true it's a confusion of, of compulsion for meaning, I think. Yeah. So like, so I saw really good screenshots being a fallout where it was, I think it was fallout two, the, the old isometric one. Uh, and then like the, the choices that you had after talking in a piece of dialogue, which are these like ridiculous, cool things that you could do. And then in fallout three, which were, they were much more limited, mm-hmm. but you still had a bunch of stuff. And then fallout four, you basically just have like one word answers almost. Yeah, she's like mm-hmm. on nearly everything. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how this that general trend as far as you feeling like you're participating. Yeah. You no longer feel like you're participating in a, in a really You feel like you're way. more observing. But yeah, Fallout, like fucking Moira Brown from yeah. Fallout oh, 3 yeah. was still one of my favorite like yeah. characters and parts of story of all time. Like she's like a, she's just a, all she's is a quest hub, right? Mm-hmm. But you go to her, she just says like these just goofy fucking things, sends you on these quests, you have these like fun conversations with her, you know? And yeah, they are still quite limited, but, uh, but compared to Fallout 4 where it's like, because it, you don't know what you're going to say because the character still says some stuff, right. right? But they're like, you choose the gist, yeah, this is, yeah. And then she'll actually just, and then your character decides what to say, right? Yeah. It's, mm. it's weird. Yeah. We'll have to think more about this. Mm. Maybe we'll hit this again in a future episode. We got to get to the next question. Okay. Uh, this question comes from security risk. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm trusting this person less and less. Mm-hmm. Keep showing up. Security risk says, what was the ultimate factor in your decision to leave your jobs and make video games for a living? Also, was it scary jumping into the unknown with just your savings to live on? Mm. Okay, so uh, let's think. Let's unpack this. <laughs> so I guess we I all guess, have a different answer. Yeah, well, a different answer. Um, for me, actually, kind of the first leap off point was when I dropped out of law school, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. Uh, I just I knew that I didn't want to be doing what I was currently doing, and I had been making games on my own for a year. Um, And so I thought, you know, I would rather be making basically no money and scraping by and doing a thing I'm interested in than uh, doing something that I can't stand, but having lots of money. Because what's the money for at that point? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, shortly after that happened, I moved down to St. Louis and Sam and I both started working at a studio here. But the decision to jump off on our own was, I think, one of we kept doing jams. And seeing what we were capable of just as a two-person uh, team for, for Sam and me, it, it just kept hitting this this question. We're just like, why aren't we just doing this, yep. you know? Because right. um, we were at, we were in a larger studio where our contributions to things got a lot, you know, kind of like mixed in with the group and everything had to be approved and stuff like everything that. Everything just so, moved, moved much slower in the, in the larger group. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so so the, the amount of, again, like there's that question of like the amount of pride and satisfaction right. we were able to get from that was, I think, diminished 
not not necessarily because like because we weren't able to like it was like an ego thing where we we weren't able to be like this is mine I did this yeah but it was more, more about of, being able to go fast yeah we, to, we literally wanted to do more we wanted to make bigger yeah. cooler things and with you know. 20, 30 people on a team. There's a lot of rank. Um, there's just, yeah, and, and it's everybody. There's just a lot of consensus reaching that has to happen and, and seeing what could, could be done in a weekend with two people. It just seemed crazy that things were moving at that pace, right? <laughs> so, uh, so after, yeah, so we saved up for that and we're just like, let's just go for it. The, I think we just, we just did a bunch of calculus. Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's a really interesting uh, how I built this podcast episode by the, the guy who does uh, Cliff Bar. Um, yep. And he makes a really, I think, I mean, no, I think it was the Samuel Adams guy, actually, I think. Uh, that episode where he talks about, um, talks about the difference between danger and risk. Right. Yeah. And how a lot of people confuse the two. Right. And the thing is, uh, it was, it was not, so danger is where there's like, there are potentially very ill consequences to whatever you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, risk is essentially where you're putting yourself into a place where there might be some losses and stuff, but nothing's going to like your, your life as you know, it is not necessarily going to be, you're not over Yeah. Yeah. And so the bottom that you could hit from that risky thing is yeah. not that bad. Of a yeah. Place. So, you know, all of us have at least a college degree. Adam's got the PhD. Mm-hmm. So that's the CFA. Um, yeah. I could just go work in finance. Yeah. So oh, I'm right. the least educated <laughs> of the bunch, uh, <laughs> truthfully. So but when, when we were doing this this sort of calculus for the for uh, for leaving that studio and starting Butterscotch, a uh, big part of it came down to understanding that if if this did not go, that we would be totally fine because we'd find we, other things. To yeah, do. we had we would find other things to do, and the fact that we had started a studio and created two games, which was our goal with that first chunk of money we had, um, the fact that that we would have that under our belt meant that we guess we could leverage that into a, a good career opportunity somewhere at a tech company or something like that. Yeah. And actually, um, and, and actually in, in the U S I think there are, there are some cultures that if you make a failed startup, that's viewed negatively mm-hmm. on your resume. Um, because it's always a question of like, well, okay, so you, you want to go off and do your own thing. So we don't want to hire you for that. And also you even failed at it. So right. obviously you aren't capable. Stigma. Yeah, yeah. Stigma for failure. But you know, here in the U S the, the culture is very, you know, it's, it cheers entrepreneurs for just like going and taking risks and doing, trying to do things. So, and also people know that most startups don't, don't succeed. Right. Um, so, I mean, we were, we so were, it's, a, a, it's very, a positive thing on your resume in theory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, and so, it's actually, even if you lose a substantial amount of, of money or just lost income from doing that, uh, think of the cost of education, right? So, th- like, the cost of going to college is probably a hell of a lot more than the cost of you failing at a startup. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you're going to learn, sure. you know, depending on how you do it and how how good of a job you do of attacking that problem. Ideally, way more. You're going to learn, actually, potentially way more than you do than you would have in yeah, college. I mean, we we talked about this with our with our uh, our video game class because if you do a game jam, then you are packing in what is essentially a whole, almost a whole semester's worth of work mm-hmm. into a weekend. And the truth is, if you're working on a on a startup or on a project, I mean, every forty hours basically is what you would get from a class. If you're paying yeah. attention, you're going to learn in ludicrous amounts. Yeah, which means week by week, it's essentially a class each week on how to run a business and how to how to do everything yeah. else. So. so there was no it's about framing. Yeah. And I think there was, there was actually no risk for us. And I think that's the important thing. Like we, we did not, we set up our ourselves in such a way that, uh, you know, we're, we're living in St. Louis. The cost of living is very low. Seth's spouse was here and she had a job. Um, we had the money in the bank to support ourselves for a good chunk of time. We didn't have any health issues. There were just a few loans. At the time. Like car, a little car and student stuff, I think. Yep. Again. yep. Um, so there wasn't like a lot of debt to deal with. And we were all in like a really healthy spot. So 
we were in a very privileged place. Yeah, that's yeah. the truth. There was, which is there was very little risk. Yeah, so the, I think and we that, had no kids. Yes. No kids. So no yeah. dependence of any sort. Yeah, so there's a broader point there, which is like it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we just, I mean, it would have been crazy for us not to do it. Honestly, just with how many safety nets we had in place, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, and this has been a big criticism of the games industry and actually startups in general, which is that it requires a certain level of of privilege to be able to participate. Well, right. that's a, I don't, I don't, I think that's not a fair criticism of that. It's a, it's a fair it's criticism of everything, the economic system. We oh, live sure. In. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because like, so for example, you could, I mean, even, you know, it used to be the case that you'd get an unpaid internship somewhere. Yeah. If you don't have the money to bankroll that, like as a student, so, so for example, if you get an unpaid internship at like Disney or something, mm-hmm. uh, you still have to pay for being alive or a lot of, like I did friends who did unpaid fashion internships in New York city. Right. Some of like their parents are paying for it. Someone's paying for them to be there yeah. for it's some amount of time. Expensive. Or they're taking out loans. And so if you don't, yeah, there's, there's no such thing that. as cost-free living. No, somebody is paying the cost, yeah. you know? So I think we were, we were in a really lucky spot to be able to, to jump without actually having any danger. I guess. Yeah. But it, but it is important to, you know, if you're in a privileged enough place where you can take these kinds of risks, mm-hmm. it's really important to, to frame the problem properly. Right. Cause if you're going to go try to start a company, um, know that chances are, it's not going to work out, mm-hmm. but you got, you know, but throw your whole being into it. And when you're spending money on that thing, think of that as the cost of tuition, the right. same way that you value education. So you, it's a thing you pay for, right? Uh, this is exactly the, the same thing. This is, this is now you going and taking a chance where the one thing you're guaranteed, again, if you actually throw yourself into it is that you're going to learn an enormous amount that's mm-hmm. going to help you for your future stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's worth Agreed. something. Agreed. You're going to learn something at least. Mm-hmm. All right. So next question comes from High Neuer. Cool. Hey. Hanoir says, as mobile and PC game devs, uh, what is your standpoint on the current mobile gaming community and the quality of most mobile games on the market today? Mm-hmm. What would you like to see or do to help improve slash maintain it? It's a big one. Yeah. Real so, big question. Let's- so I think, yeah. So there's a couple things here. One, one, the first question is uh, opinion or standpoint about the current mobile gaming community. Well, I think... And the quality of mobile games. Yeah, I'm going to back this up to the platform level because it's not about mobile. Uh, yeah, so so mobile is just an it's an interesting platform for one particular reason, uh, which is that 275,000 games came out last year yeah. on the App Store. Yeah. 275. Well, we also read the numbers that so that's 750 a day, which is as many came out on PlayStation 4 last year in a year. In a year. So every mm-hmm. day on mobile is one year worth of PlayStation yeah. games. <laughs> um, so so I think the interesting thing about the the concept of like a mobile community. For this stuff is I think the, the problem essentially comes around there's not a unification in terms of, of devices where mobile gamers are like do you have this or this like in other words you play on quote-unquote mobile right yeah. it'd be as on if it'd be asking for the console community to be a thing yeah they're not they're not as, as a single thing they need they need their camps to fall and people but, need but camps there are only two camps and there's only two camps three, right Maybe, I guess. well I think the, I think the broader question is is it a community I don't think well it that's is. what I mean so yeah. I, th- I think there's there's so many games for one and so many of the games take more so more so of the stance of being sort of just a happy little moment in your day mm-hmm. and less so being like a hobby or a thing that you communicate with other people yeah, about. you can't get passionate about them yeah that I, I don't think there's there's not actually a lot of meat for communities to develop in most but there are communities games. around specific mobile games yes the ones that have the correct yeah. I, I will say I mean I'll, and, I mean yeah. the, I think the closest the closest thing I could think of that would be a mobile gaming community would be something like the touch arcade forums. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is a huge group of people who are just super pumped about specifically mobile gaming Mm -hmm. just as a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And so they're always, uh, like every article, every review or article that gets posted on Touch Arcade, there's a forum thread about it and just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people pile on yeah. and talk about stuff. And, you know, um, that's definitely a thing. Yeah, Touch but. Arcade's a, a really good hub for it. But it's interesting to me because if you look at the PC side, so like I I really, I don't know, and maybe this is just a lack of knowledge, but I, I don't know many other places where people congregate to talk about mobile games besides Touch Arcade forums. Right. Um, well, and of course, there are the subreddits and stuff. Yeah. Um, but but those there's the Android gaming subreddit stuff. and the iOS gaming subreddit. Right, and they are very active. But, but they, they also take a very particular slant, which is those are more like anti-freemium communities. <laughs> right. yeah, like they're, right. <laughs> yeah. they have, they have a tendency to, they, there's like a, there's a hive mind mentality where it's not just like, we are uh, here to talk about great, great games, but there's also another sort of like sub set of opinions a few that, has that, 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 that they put, sure. that they sort of push into everything, which is interesting. Right. So I think it's weird because the, the, the mobile gaming community is the biggest one, hands down, but uh, it is also the least engaged one, hands down. Well, I guess mobile gaming is the largest market. Yeah. But I don't know if that means that the mobile gaming community is the largest community. Because the community, sure, I, don't, I don't think you could just have like a community that doesn't give a shit. I think that's just not a community. Right, right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> that's so, yeah, that's the, just a group. That's yeah, just a well, mob. Well, I think, I think actually, to me, that's actually the interesting thing about this is it doesn't, it just, as you're saying, it doesn't make sense to have a mobile community because it doesn't mean anything. Right. When, when 250,000 games come out in a year uh, across every possible genre imaginable, every kind of pay system imaginable, uh, every kind of scope and quality imaginable, right? right? Uh, then you can't form a community around that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I think there's, there's literally too much fracturing. Well, the, the community right? is really more about parsing it. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a community that is built around trying to find the stuff trying like. to find good things right. in the pile of. But everybody likes different thousand. stuff, which means even the even though like something like Touch Arcade does have a broad community that cares about like mobile gaming on, on iOS specifically Uh, within that, like the true communities within that care about specific, you know, genres Mm -hmm. and specific uh, pay systems and that kind of thing. And so when you go, when you go in and like listen to the community uh, talk about something, it's basically actually a set of smaller communities fighting with each other. Right. Right. Um, And so if you go to subreddits and stuff, that's where I think you find the actual like isolated communities that care about one thing, echo chambering on Mm -hmm. themselves. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the value is of having. Well, I think well, the, so there, let's talk about this because I think that you know there's always the console war, as it's literally called a war happening, mm-hmm. where there's sort of a fever pitch between, in this case, PlayStation and Xbox. Well, right? and then you also have the 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 PC master exactly. race, right? So people, the, which, which is which disgusting. Is but I think so the stupid. the really interesting <laughs> thing about it is that there's no there. I mean, I think there is a lack of pride associated with mobile gaming that is like generally that is not yeah. found that is not found at all on the other in the other tribes. Um, right. there's a, there is a lack of a bind there where people are not necessarily excited about it, which I find interesting because a lot of people play it, you know, on Nintendo DS, for example, mm-hmm. tons of people have a DS and they're pumped about it. Um, not many people, I think, and I think this again comes down to a unity problem because there's just so much shit. And also the, the game, the thing that you play your games on is not built for games. And I think that kind of like, it makes it harder for people to maybe step into an identity as a mobile gamer or like fall into a tribe in particular, right. because it's not what they got the device for. No, one, also, no one buys a device for a phone or for right. a game, you know? But I think part of the problem too, is just because, because the, the gates are absent on mobile so that you get this huge influx of stuff. It is just true that it's mostly garbage. Mm-hmm. And because of the, the rise of free to play and the sort of 
toxic uh, financial mechanisms that they've historically used. And, and we're not saying all of them do that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's not the case. Um, but enough of it does that it's created the that, top that, ones, the top ones absolutely <laughs> do. And yeah, so the, the ones that like every time you open up, uh, you know, the app store, you see a mountain of free games that aren't really free. Mm-hmm. Somehow they're needling you for money. Wait, for when you time, open up, right? when you open up for page, sometimes like, as you look at the list, you're like, which one of these isn't going to try to, yeah, exactly, right? Fuck me. So there's this, <laughs> which is very different because because that means that your relationship with the gaming platform is one of antagonism between right. you and the games sure. because you don't know what it's going to try to do to you. Right. Whereas if you go mm-hmm. on PC or console, you just buy a fucking you game. You buy play, it. Right? So and that's, it. that's the end of the story. And I think I think there's the, there's that weird thing that that that's happened, especially if people are used to the more conventional, old school way of consuming games. Um, it feels really bad to go on a mobile and be like free, 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 free. But like at first you get excited. Cause like, Oh, look at all this stuff. That's just free. And you get in and play it. And it's just like, it's just coming after you all the time. Right. right? It feels bad. It feels, it feels, it becomes very clear that you're playing a game. It's not about immersion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just feels like it's just, it just feels like a cheaper sort of ecosystem. Right. Uh, yeah. and I, I think, think until they start actually putting focus on like, you know, premium titles and, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's always going to be the case that you can't really have pride in being a mobile gamer because the stuff that you're right. why would exposed you have, to, why would you, why would you be proud of that shit? You know, like proud of being, yeah, being proud of, we're embarrassed of having made some of those games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we, we do what we had to. Yeah. <laughs> we're not proud of it. <laughs> we're not proud of it. Um, yeah. So here's a question. Cause the, the final piece to this is, what would you like to see or do to help improve or maintain the quality of mobile games? I think all the front games that you see should be paid games. Should free games even be allowed to be on a platform? I mean, I'd prefer they didn't. I mean, yeah, so this this is an interesting one because I think... Because I, well, I think about the Ouya. Mm-hmm. The Ouya, its big thing was people are tired of paying money for games... And we're going to create a cheap console, a hundred dollar console, where every game on there you can play for free in some capacity, right? Mm-hmm. And this thing just crashed and burned tremendously. Well, I think it's a complete misread of the market. Uh, I don't think people are tired of paying for games. I'm not yeah, sure. No, why w- ever said that? Because if you, if you, again, if nobody you wants at, to pay for anything. Nobody wants to pay for anything. But I think if but you that's look not at the problem, uh, that's not the problem. If you look at the quote unquote free games. They make an absurd amount of money. Well, most um, of them don't. No, but the, the, the top ones that people ones, play, though, yeah. Yeah, the top ones do. And I think, uh, I guess so as, as far as this question of, of maintaining or improving the quality bar, I really think there's, there's basically a three-prong approach. Um, one is that the stores themselves need a, just a massive overhaul. Um, yeah. Steam has been doing a really good job of actually keeping up with the level of content that they're getting. I think they get like 14 releases a day or something mm-hmm. like that. Or something like that. Maybe 25, I can't remember. I did the math a couple days ago. Um, but just not that many. And uh, But they've they've been doing... Really, really intense work to actually completely redo how their store functions about every six months or so to try to make sure that they're ahead of the tide with these things. And they're, like we talked about last week, they're going to be probably implementing some kind of a paywall to put your game up, which is recoupable based on your sales, but... So Steam is, I mean, Steam's already done the experiments actually on this stuff. And across the board, what it's meant is more people playing more games and buying more games. Yeah, And playing games games. for longer too. 
So in other words, there's, there's a huge financial incentive for that to happen. Because if you think about the number of games and the number of gamers that are on mobile, if you up your revenue as much as Steam has from these discovery things, but like 20, something like 20%. 20, I think they said 20%. It's yeah. nuts. 20% increase from but renewing the problem with mobile is they have to now retrain an entire population of people. I don't think that's a, as big a problem, is it? It might not be. I don't, I don't think it is. But so I think the, the mobile stores... Um, haven't done, I, I don't, I frankly would not say I've done a good enough job in terms of actually working to surface games. And as a result, you get this sort of, you get this a really intense winner takes all system. Um, well, and, and I think honestly, the ads in mobile games also serve this, this purpose, mm-hmm. right? Because ads, if, if you put ads in your games, like we've put ads in our, in our free games, because that's how you partially can make money off of a free game. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the ads in a free game, serve to bring players into other games that are higher up on the charts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause like the games at the top are advertising in other games. Right. Yep. It's not advertising for like tied during. No, yeah. it's advertising. It's like it's you're playing games. Game. Yeah, your game is actually just an advertisement for a game. Yeah. This yeah. is the weird Better thing we realized yours. after yeah. we had him in, I think we were, I don't know if we were playing one and it was, it tried to point us to uh, either clash of clans or something like that. And we were like, wait a second. Like, we're pushing people into other games. Yeah, we're literally yeah. pushing people out of our game permanently. It's fucked up by showing them ads. Um, so the way the way you make money off of your lower lower tier, like lower down, further down the list, free game is to just like hand sell you, hand, your like, users. So you, you collect a group of players and then you hand them off to one of the games yeah. that's higher up on the list, and then you get a couple pennies. You get yeah, right. you get uh, yeah. like what is it, like $3 per 1,000 players yeah. Yeah. or something. So I, I think uh, as far as, you know, improving the quality bar, I think, I think, uh, I, you know, there, there is this question of why free-to-play even exists. And it's just, it is, it frankly is a question that I think should be asked. Well, I mean, it exists because people don't want to pay for stuff. And if you have other mechanisms, yeah, meaning ads, because that's how it all started, right? If, if you allow for some other mechanism where a person can be the product instead of the consumer, right? Then well, this is how Facebook works. This is how this everything is how, works. Yeah. yeah. Then, then now someone's like, yes, free stuff. And then they go get that free stuff. And then now that's the world they live in. Right. And they are the thing being sold. Yeah. To other companies. But, but, it, but now you can get entire games for free. And if you're willing to put up with ads, which we've been trained our whole lives to do from watching TV and stuff. Right. So, so then you just like ads are just a thing in your life that you deal with. And so you don't, you don't even realize how much that's screwing with your enjoyment of the, of the product. Have right? you watched, I mean, have you, have you watched Netflix for a while and then tried to watch TV? Oh yeah. I can't. It is I, it's I, incredible. I can't oh, yeah. It. Actually it was, uh, I was on an exercise bike at the gym last week and they have TVs mounted to everything mm-hmm. in the gym I was like, I actually haven't watched TV in probably a decade. I was like, yep. I'm just going to turn it on and see see what's see what's cracking. It's, it's the worst. So it's like Property Brothers or something, mm-hmm. some show. Watching it, and it's like, yeah, every two and a half minutes, like clockwork, I have to watch a minute and a half of commercials. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. I was trying to think of imagine because for for some reason we've accepted this in certain areas of our. Well, no, lives. there's a very clear reason for it. It's because this this came from radio. This came from broadcast stuff. Where your consumers just get to have what you made, right? right? Yeah, but but for most TV stuff, you're paying for that cable. Not package. no, not but not the origin. Like the origin of oh, TV, yeah, I know. you just yeah. broadcast it, and yeah. you have to have a way to pay for it, right? Right. And your consumers aren't going to fuck because they don't need to. It's just it's just stuff coming yeah. over the air, right? Yeah. So somebody else has to, right? Yeah. And now the consumer becomes a product, and then even though we're now at the point where people can just buy those services, like with literally everything we get now, right? Uh, except for basic TV that I don't think anybody even, does even have a TV antenna even anymore? I have no idea. I don't know. But yeah, so now you actually have to pay to get it, but you can make a hell of a lot more money as a if company you if you ads. also put ads in there. Right. So, the, so I was trying to think about cheaper. like other scenarios 
where if an ad appeared in that scenario, people would be enraged about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if you went to a play? It's just historical. A play? Yeah. And so like, so, so like if you, if you take it at the same pace as television, like every two and a half minutes, just a bunch of randos will run onto the stage and for a minute and a half, Pitch they'll just product. try to sell you bleach and shit. Right. And then or they run if they off. sold you a play that was happening next fucking door. Yeah, that's exactly. what mobile games and, do, and, right? for, yeah. and like you see that and you're just like, this is wrong, right? right? But then it happens in a game or in a TV show well, and you're just, like, yeah. Well, this, this is what I was trying to get <laughs> at though with the, with the question of, uh, of actually putting free to play on the chopping block as well as just advertising generally because there is a really interesting, uh, I think, a lack of concern for people's own attention. Oh, yeah. Which by the way, is it's, that's the only resource that you get. Like besides time, Attention is, is just the primary thing that you get as a human being. And most people are very content to just give it up, just give it up, just let people take it. And I mean, it's even come to the point, I've talked about this before, the grocery store, when I go to swipe my credit card at the grocery store, there's a plate of ads like the, that's, that the register machine sits on. Mm-hmm. So I'm just standing there in front of these ads. When I go to the, the fucking gas station now, when I swipe my car, when I start pumping gas, they turn on a TV yeah. that, tell, that tries to sell me like bleach and some other <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's Everybody's that dystopian sci-fi future. It is. I'm like, saying. you guys need to fucking stop because I didn't ask for this and my attention is way more valuable, way more valuable than this. You just wait though. Because once, once we have self-driving cars, oh man, the inside of your car. Oh God, no. Like there's, there's going to happen to There's you. already screens inside there and stuff. And like once you no longer have to pay attention to the road, that's primo and advertising. Actually, probably what will happen is you'll get like a no 1% shit. discount on your car if you let it throw ads at you, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like fuck it. So I, I left down, my Kindle. down your car payments yeah. or something. I left my Kindle on in the airplane last week. And uh, so I got home and I was like, okay, now I have to fucking get a new Kindle. Right? Oh, you just so, like- <laughs> yeah, so I was so I was looking into it and they have some like they have some newer ones, right? And they're like they have two newer models that are fucking expensive for like a little reading device, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like two hundred bucks and three hundred bucks. But I was like, okay, let, let me just see what the details are on these because it sounds like like they must be really good, right? right. And look, they seem pretty cool. But mm. that's also that's the price of the version that comes with ads. What do you mean it comes with ads? So the, you know, like when the thing is like just sitting there when it's like turned off, right? It'll just have an ad up. So fucking Windows 10. When you yeah, go Windows 10 in, doesn't know too. it has this beautiful picture. And like usually it's just a cool little snippet of information about the picture. Mm-hmm. And then recently it was like, do you want to get 10% off this thing? And I was like, the fuck are you doing on my fucking yeah. lock screen windows? <laughs> get out. Like yeah. what? A thing that you bought. Yeah, I bought this. Yep. I didn't ask for you to sell me shit. Cut it the fuck out. Yep. And I think that's, I, I think until people get Man, angry you, about you just it. wait. Like when you're, when you're reading a book on your Kindle, you're going to, in between chapters, you're going to see an ad. Just yeah. wait. But you this just is wait. The, like, it's, it's going to get worse because people don't want to pay for stuff. But I think that this is, this thing blows my fucking mind because if you, if you, <laughs> if you take a, take a second and understand what you're giving up. Yeah. Which is literally your ability to think. Your ability to think. This is, I mean, this is why if something is going to use ads and that's the only mechanism I can use it, then I will not use that thing. Yeah. If Windows actually starts throwing ads at me, I'm going to burn it down and just use Linux. No. <laughs> like, honestly, right. I will. I will. Whatever. There will be many consequences to that. It'll be harder for me to do other stuff, right? Uh, but I won't even give a shit because that, that's the thing I can't. That's like, on YouTube, I you know pay for YouTube Red. Mm-hmm. Never watch the thing there, uh, and only watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. Don't even watch Hulu because at least I don't know if it's still the case, but Hulu you could pay for back in the day, but it would still show you ads. Well, it's funny because like, so we I was on this picnic. Now it's just thing. some shows based oh, on yeah. based on individual yeah. arrangements. I was on this picnic yesterday with some friends, and I don't have uh, I don't like have my YouTube account logged in on my phone, mm-hmm. so I was just I wanted to play some music, so pull up some music, hit go, and then we're playing like Bananagrams or some shit. And I'm expecting you know 
music. It's music that happened. Because yeah. you, you clicked music. And then there's a 30-second ad. Mm-hmm. And then the music starts. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, they've given me one. So hopefully I'll, you know, I've, I've like earned my share for the next couple videos. <laughs> and every time, every three minutes, there's yeah. a fucking, we're trying, I'm trying to play Bananagrams. <laughs> but, but, again, but now this was your fault because you didn't pay for that. If you, well, yeah, I didn't log in. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So yeah, so so you got exactly what you deserve because you're one of those fucking consumers who refuses to pay for <laughs> That's things. True, but, I, but this is my point though, is that is that is that yeah. that did not at all make that experience good. No, yeah, which is why you pay for stuff, right? right. But for but that's some not reason, the goal. Yeah, the, the, they don't, they're not. They're trying to make your have a oh, good no, experience. I know, but this is the thing. This you're just thing there. It just blows my mind because it's like everyone's like, I want free stuff. I want free stuff. It's and, not free, and more so than being not free, it takes away. Your, your core functional capability, the only thing that you have as a human, which is the ability to pay attention to things, mm-hmm. and you just give it up. And I think worse is that the more you let that slide, the harder it is to focus on things, just period. Yeah. Because I, I noticed, so I used to be a writing tutor uh, in college, and uh, I saw, I, I worked with probably, I don't know, maybe three or 400 students over the course of my college time. And uh, I could tell almost, I could almost like pinpoint to the hour how much TV people watched based, <laughs> right. on, based on the quality of their <laughs> really? writing. Um, couldn't string sentences together. Bro. Yeah. It was basically, it was just a perfectly proportional correlational relationship where the, for every additional hour they would spend watching TV every week, the more and more jumbled their thoughts were, the less they could focus on maintaining a particular point, the the worse their grammar was, the worse the overall structure of their sort of, you know, paper in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some people who would hit a point where um, they would they would not be able to maintain a consistent point within a sentence. Like they would start it somewhere and then it mm. would just derail and was land Was Trump one else. of these? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't tutor him. We'd be in much better shape <laughs> if that happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's a high, there's, this is the thing, like there's a high cost. There's a yeah, super high cost. Just, I mean, well, just think about it. Like your brain gets really fucking good at whatever you make it do a lot of. Yeah. yeah. And if what you make it do a lot of is rapidly switch between 15 second commercials mm-hmm. where people are trying to sell you shit, then that's the way you start to think. You, you think about things in these small few second bursts that have no coherent thought. You just, you can't function I think this as is a thing thoughtful I, person. I, I do think, and I, I understand, of course, that a lot of the current necessity for the ads right now. Uh, it's because of, like you said, the, the way that we built this whole thing is it literally mm-hmm. the whole internet runs on ads. Yeah, because the internet is free. Because the internet is free, so well, gonna, I, I, I understand mean, it's provided for free, right? <laughs> so somebody I understand the it. the current necessity uh, for it. That being said, I, I do think it's one of one of the most heinous things. Um, oh, absolutely! That everyone just no, doesn't step back and ask the question: How should we is, should we be okay with this? Mm-hmm. Should I be okay? Well, people with this? do, and they go like, I mean, there was a social network somebody tried to make a few years ago. That's when you paid for, right? Hello, and then it turns hello. out, yeah. And then it turns out, well, they also did, they did it really stupidly. But it also <laughs> turns out nobody wants to pay for stuff because they've already, they've already got Facebook, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, why not go pay for a service that's just Facebook except. And you're battling the network effect where you yep, have yep. One, one, the whole point of the network is a lot of people in it. Yep. Right. And if you have an empty network, it's not a network. Yeah, I think so. they actually, yeah, because they, they fucked that one up in particular because it was invite only, advertised as if it was for special people, like VIPs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also had to pay. Right. So like they put so many gates in there that like there was not a chance in hell that was going to work out. Um, they were trying to make it seem like way, you know, oh, you got, you got fortunate enough to be invited. So mm-hmm. you should uh, pony up the cash. Yeah, But if they did just have like a chosen. Facebook that you paid for, yeah, yeah, that actually could be a cool place to be. Probably, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. 
But I think if you if you value your attention, you should really be asking the question of why the fuck you're watching so many ads. Yeah. Or why you're doing many of the things that you're doing. Yeah. Frankly. I mean, we were just talking about earlier today about about that feeling of you you have a mission. You have a thing, oh, yeah. you have a thing that you're planning on doing, and you're and you're like a bullet, right? You're just like zooming toward your thing. So let's say you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check the calendar on my phone. Yeah, I need to know. So you open up your phone. You go to your you go to your main screen. All Have of a sudden, it. all of a sudden, you're confronted with like fifty apps, mm-hmm. right? And then that bullet of attention just pancakes. <laughs> like it just hits. It just hits a wall. It just flattens out. And all of a sudden, instead of instead of with high velocity and intention, you know, paying like putting all your focus into one thing, you are now putting tiny amounts of attention into like fifty things. It's just like this flat, shitty attention pancake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't, don't, uh, don't pancake your attention. Yeah. I mean, the rise of mindfulness has been happening for a reason. I think everyone's just, the, you mind, didn't need, you mindfulness didn't, didn't used to be a thing because you didn't have this shit happening all the time. <laughs> you could walk around and not be harassed. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it's always been a thing. People, people have been ranting about this since the dawn of advertising, advertising. right? And rightly so. It's just every, every generation has its like new set of things to, to fight against, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think it does, it does definitely seem to be the case that, Advertising whack. only gets more intrusive over yeah. time. Well, there was a, there's a, an ad or not an ad. There's a, a documentary. Um, I think it's called fed up mm-hmm. and it's about sugar mm-hmm. and about how, um, you know, there's, there's an obesity epidemic in the U S and it's rising in other countries as well and stuff. And basically amounts to the fact that, that the, the ecosystem in which we live, everything has sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Just sugar gets pumped into literally everything. Mm-hmm. And you like, you just can't, escape it. Right. And so you have people whose, whose bodies are suffering, not because of, not because they're actively going out of their way to do stuff to it, but because they just are existing in a toxic environment. Right. Mm. We're like, like sugar is just, it's just part of everything. Right. And we just, we've just come to accept it. Right. And like the same thing is happening to our minds. Right. With your ad space. Yeah. Well, like we live in a toxic brain space Mm -hmm. and Unless you are like, just like how, if you want to, if you want to take good care of your body, when you go to the grocery store, you got to make sure you don't go into those center aisles basically at all. Like stick around the edges, like get your veggies, get your meats, well, you know? Crazy. Like, cause I read, but you got to really be conscious I of know. it all I mean, the I, time. Cause I read a lot of news too. I read primarily online. Which this is again, like we talked about the necessity of maybe getting a newspaper. I think last week or a couple weeks yeah. ago, um, because when they, so you're reading an article and if it has any sort of depth to it, like you're, you need sort of, you know, you're paying attention, you're training together, whatever the thoughts are that they're, that they're laying down brick by brick. And then in between two paragraphs, they put, there's an Fucking ad ads. <laughs> and especially if it asks, if, if it's visual, I can just ignore it. If it's just like a picture, but now a lot of them are just a bunch of words also. And so you're reading and then you just keep, you just read the fucking thing. So you're, you're talking about online. Yeah, yeah. So you're reading, yeah. you're like, Oh my God, this immigration policy. Interesting. This started here. Here's how, the, here's how people are responding. Uh, would I like to buy a new dishwasher? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Although, wait, do you, but then again, maybe I can, can you actually subscribe online to these things? Cause I, yeah, for you a while subscribe. you could. So New York times you can. Okay. Cause yeah. I know for a while you could, and that didn't really work very well. I didn't know if they were still doing it or yeah, not. I think New York times is, is, is a good one. Yeah. Um, but if you do like, I just cause of where all the, all the different news sources come from, mm-hmm. that's the only one that I generally plunk money into. Yep. But if you pop over and someone's like, Oh, look at this interesting this Washington post article, yeah. then, then you get, it's just going to read his pants. Yeah. Infuriating. Yep. So, so you just like, just like what you're doing with your food, paying attention to the sugar content of things. So when do you right? think the attention epidemic is going to be 
Oh, we're recognized. in it. I, know, I know we're in it, but no one's pointed it out. No one's been like, well, people are pointing it out all the time. It's just yeah, but that, it's that no one gives a fuck. The problem is like, you can't like, it's, it's more abstract, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think for starters, there's an interesting problem where the people who are the most victimized by it have lost the capacity to understand it. I mean, they're not dumb. They're just no. Distracted. They're not. They're not dumb, but it, but they have a harder time thinking about things, yeah. right? Because they're just constantly overwhelmed Gosh. by all these things, right? And so, uh, so the the people who need the help the most are the least likely to go out of their way to mm. like get it, mm-hmm. right? And we also don't have an easy way of measuring things. So if you think about like sugar, like how many grams of it are you eating? Like you're supposed to have less than 32 grams in a day. That's the absolute mm-hmm. maximum. And then you know, but you look- also think. It is unambiguously true, and except for some weirdos, everybody agrees sugar is just bad for you, period. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the end of the story, yeah. right? It's bad for you. Everybody also acknowledges and agrees that it's in literally everything. Yeah. Right? And this is, we've, everybody has agreed to both of these points for right. like fucking two decades, <laughs> right? Is it in any fewer things? No. Nope. Nah. It really isn't, right? So this is a thing that is easily solvable. Like, easily. You just say... You have to actually put how much sugar you have on it and tell people how, like we do with cigarettes, right? right? This is exactly how bad this food is for you right now, right? And then all of a sudden people have to have to. So, so are you saying so maybe if easily like a- fixable and we still don't fix it, right? So yeah, we're not we're not fixing advertising. So I happen. guess the only way to fix it would be if there was some kind of a regulation or some kind of a rule, which basically said like, if you are offering a free service with ads, you must also offer a paid version of that service yeah. that has no ads, right? Or something like that. Yeah, free to play would die though, real quick. No one, because most people still wouldn't pay for that thing. That's true. As yeah. we as we have experience <laughs> yeah. with our own fucking games, yeah. right? As most people want to do. And some people like if if I play a game that I like and has ads in it, if there's not an option to pay to get rid of them, then I will just stop playing that game. Yep. But if there is an option, then I will pay for it and I will you know continue to play. But we're in a minority of people who actually do that. Yep. So it's mm, it's yeah. everybody's fault. Valued your goddamn time and attention, people. Yeah, we, we really flew off the rails with we that did. one. We went over 20 minutes, but <laughs> this, this is important. It's a, it's a personal point that just enrages me. That's yeah. a great, that's a great question. Great question. Yeah, value right. your time. So if you're I actually had a discussion with about to, with somebody about this recently too, because they were talking about like I don't really want to pay for this service that they wanted to use, and I'm like, but like, what do you mean? You know, like if you want a service <laughs> that's good, you have to pay for it mm-hmm. somehow, right? Either someone's stealing your attention. Or you have to put some money in, right? And you are losing something. You're losing something. You have something. to decide yeah. what's more Choose important. the one that is least costly, a which dollar? is actually money. Yeah. A yeah. dollar or your ability to think and function as a human being. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Which one of these is it? So, yeah. yeah. In short, pay for things, guys. Come on. If you can. If you can. All right. Obviously. This has been Coffee with Butterscotch. <sighs> we went deep. We went hard. Ranted. We ranted. We raved. We learned some things. Mm-hmm. It was good. So uh, thank you all for your questions. Again, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. If you want to get your questions on uh, next week, then go there. questions. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.